Welcome to Pure Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando. And we are on episode 124. Sweet. Another theme episode. Yeah, I'm excited for uh, this theme episode because I feel like it really relates to me because we are talking about being a part-time reseller. Yeah, and it's interesting because we're trying to just build it. So initially we started with back to the basics, right? Top 10 steps to be a successful new eBay seller. Now we're looking at part-time. And here's the thing. This is not the end hall authority on how to do things. Yeah. No, this is just like experiences because Orlando has gone through the phase of being a hobby reseller to being a part-time reseller to being a full-time reseller. And I've gone from hobby to part-time. And, you know, we, we've learned a few things along the way. And we know that many of you guys, we've learned a lot of stuff from you. You sent in, you know, your experiences and, and everything you've been through. And so we kind of just want to refine a few of the things, the main kind of concepts and ideas that uh, is crucial in order to do well as a reseller, uh, transitioning just from the, hey, I got a few things might sell, might make an extra 50 bucks here and there to, you know what, I want to really supplement my income. Yeah. And so it's it's kind of the same, you know, hobby to part time. We'll talk about that. But but the key thing is we want you to learn from our mistakes. <laughs> Yeah. And and the other thing is, hey, we're a community here. So if there's some stuff that you're like, you know what? I think it's better to do it this way or this is how I did it. Leave us comments below. We'd love to have that engagement. We'd love to hear because, uh, you know, this this kind of feel, especially when it comes to eBay, I think there's so many ways of doing things. I think, you know, Amazon is a little more rigid of a platform. So we're talking about not just we're not talking about just eBay. We're talking about just reselling in general. Some of the topics here will extend across all platforms, but you know, it's going to be a lot of eBay focus, right? Because we always say when you start reselling eBay to me is a platform you should get started. Yeah. And honestly, a lot of this stuff will, other than Amazon FBA is going to apply to Mercari. It's going to apply to Mm -hmm. Facebook marketplace. It's going to apply to Poshmark. Um, And, you know, maybe at some point we'll have a specific Poshmark episode because it's, it's a little different in, in some ways, but, but the reality is the 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 part-time reselling mind shift from hobby is it's a jump. It is there's a a, a change that kind of happens. And so yeah, let's get into it. What are some of the what are some of the things we're gonna be talking about today? So I, I broke try to break this down in a way that we can get through this material. So number one, I thought we should talk about time, right? Because time is an issue when you're part-time, right? Because well, you're part-time, so you only have so much time to devote. <laughs> then about spending wisely. I think the way you spend as a part-time seller is very different as a hobby, especially as a full-time seller. And then I think you have the ability to build a business as a part-time seller, and you should focus on it as a business. But you're also able to reward yourself. And so yeah. we'll talk about that a little bit. I like it. All right. So the first thing I, I, I wanted to talk about was sourcing. Do you find that sourcing is difficult as a part-time reseller? Um, I mean, so of course, like com- comparing it to hobby. So as a hobby reseller, um, there really is no, like, I don't want to say there's not skin in the game, but there's not the pressure that you're walking into a thrift store. If you don't find something, it's it's not as big of a hit emotionally, psychologically, because, you know, you're walking in and you're like, hey, I got 20 bucks that I'm going to spend this week on some stuff. And, you know, if I, I buy a few things and I make money, great. If not, if I don't find anything, no big deal. Uh, but when you go to part time, your mind shift does start to go to, hey, I need to actually be finding stuff when I'm going into thrift stores or when I'm going to garage sales. And so if you're not finding stuff, it feels more like a loss. You know, even though even though there, it, it's not a loss, 
but because there's the pressure or the intent to make a certain amount, because usually I think that's the shift. Like when you're doing it as a, as a hobby reseller, you're just thinking, Hey, let's see if I can make some extra money. And I know some people who've kind of started that way. And it's like, yeah, I made like, I sold this one thing and I made 50 bucks. And it's like, they're happy with that. When you move to part-time, there's usually a goal in mind. There's a number. And um, I listened to this other podcast and he's got this thing going right now where he's doing, I think it's like 250 to 250. And to me, it seemed like such a small goal because it's not a reselling relating podcast. It's just like a business podcast. And the idea was he wanted to help 250 people make $250 extra a month to show that they can, it's doable. You can be an entrepreneur, you can make money and kind of learn the basics of business. Mm -hmm. But usually when you go part-time, you have a number like that. You're thinking, I need to make $500 net or I need to make $300 net. You have a certain number that you're Mm -hmm. wanting to make each month because it's supplemental income with an intent. It's not just like a little bit of extra spending money, but you might be thinking, I want this to cover my car payment or I want this to cover fill in the blank, right? So when you go out, there is a little bit of a difference in what am I doing? How am I spending my time? And am I actually able to make that money each month? Yeah. And I would say, don't, I don't know, don't beat yourself up too much unless it's something that you're doing part-time as you're trying to make a secondary income. Like if your full-time job is taking care of everything, you got to have a little bit of leeway. Right. Right. And if you're not trying to do anything extra. Now, if you want to do the part-time, because like you said, you want to take care of a car payment or put your kids through school or whatever it is, then that's when it gets more serious and you got to, you know, be good about your time when you're sourcing. And I would say one of the things that really helped me when I was part-time, when I was trying to scale my part-time was being consistent about the times that I source, mm. right? And and you forget this when you're full-time, but we'll talk about that. I feel that you actually have less time when you're full-time, but we'll talk about that in that future <laughs> theme episode. <laughs> Sounds kind of weird. But when I was sourcing part-time, I only had so much time and I needed to source a good amount of products. So I found that Wednesday nights, right? I had this time, my kids, I could like drop them off at church and I had about a good three hours. Mm. So I had from about six to eight thirty nine that I could source and I could go to thrift stores and I knew the thrift stores weren't packed. And every week I rotated what thrift stores I went to. Mm. Right. So I wasn't now, if there was one thrift store that was a honey hole, maybe I would have gone like, there's one right now that I probably would go every Wednesday if I had to. Right. And then on Saturday mornings, I would go to garage sales. Right. And then if I had the opportunity during the week, like Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, to go to the thrift store that was, let's say, less than a mile away from my house, I would go every day. Right. Just say, hey, after dinner, I'm going to hit up the store for 15 minutes. Right. But you got to find the time because you only have so much time. And if you're not consistent to that time, that time's always going to give way to something else. And I'm not saying be so rigid and beat yourself up and like, oh, I didn't go sourcing. No, it's in time it'll build and you'll figure out systems and you'll figure out when certain stores restock and when certain stores are busy and when they have sales. And that's how you're going to find a way to source effectively using that time. Yeah. And I think one of the ways of using time effectively is of course there's the element of maybe you get too rigid and you beat yourself up, but is setting boundaries and, and guidelines where you say, you know what? Um, if I'm going to make X amount, $500 a month, you kind of break down to how much time that's going to take and, and, and stick to it and say, I am going to source three hours a week and I'm going to list for two hours a week. And I'm, and treat it like a job and do the breakdown, figure out how many hours you're working a week, how, what your income is. And if, if you're to a place where you're only making ten dollars an hour, maybe you're doing some things wrong, and you can learn from your mistakes. And that's why I say, like, always start slow. Start at the hobby. Start to slowly build up. 
but you do need to treat it like a job. I think there's a, an aspect of not thinking of it as a job, even the podcast, right? Like when we do this podcast, there's a certain number of hours we're putting in pretty consistently every week, it whether keeps it's, growing. It, it keeps growing for sure. But there's, it's starting to become more like treating it like a job, right? Where, hey, I need to spend X amount of time doing this and I need to stick to it. I need to make sure, because just like a regular job, when you clock in, now the sad thing is, you know, hopefully it's none of our listeners, but I think it's actually the majority of people. M most time at work or a lot of time at work is actually wasted. It's not used to its potential, right? Like in an eight hour day, the actual like 100% effort people are giving depending on the job is typically pretty low, especially if it's like a desk job. People spend a lot of time on Facebook. People spend a lot of time doing things that aren't work related. But you have a certain amount of time that you're sitting in front of your computer sending reports and a certain amount of time answering emails or a certain number of time you're answering the phone. And you got to treat reselling when you go part time like that, like as if you're clocking in, I need to put in these number of hours and do it. But the nice thing is you're working for yourself. So you want to give that 100%. And we've talked in the past, like you can you can watch some Netflix and do some listing. You can do those things for sure. But if you're expecting to make that number, but you're not putting in the time, it's like expecting to get the paycheck from somewhere, but you're not actually clocking in and out and not working those hours. So you've got to work the hours and you got to work them effectively if you're going to make that money. And the sooner you can do that, you know, the better I think you have control of your business, of what you're doing, right? Because to me, I remember when I first started, I was just like, oh, I'll go sourcing Monday. Oh, something would come up. Or I'll go sourcing Thursday, something would come up. But once I got into that set schedule of Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, I always consistently found items, right? And then sometimes I would, you know, go down the street and go to the local store that shall not be named and would find one or two pieces there, right? And again, your numbers, don't don't be discouraged if right away you're not making a lot of sales. I think we got to be clear about that. And we'll talk about that here in a little bit is that it takes time to build enough inventory to have consistent sales, right? I The number I throw out is 500 <laughs> to have consistent sales. So if you're part-time, you're not going to get... Sales, I don't believe you're going to get sales every day with 200 items unless there are items that, you know, you've done the research and you know that sell like multiple a day. Mm. Sometimes those are items that are low cost items. Sometimes they're replenishable items. So there's a way to do this. But if you're trying to do the everyday, you know, the vintage, the thrifting, the garage sale, those are going to take some time, right? So when you source, Source and understand that some items you sell are going to take a little bit longer than others, right? The other thing is, and we talked about this in the last podcast of our theme about selling on eBay, is understand that a $5 item and a $100 item may take the exact same amount of time to take pictures and to list and so on. So when you're sourcing, I know it gets really easy, especially when you're brand new. You're like, what? I can turn this $1 into $10 or this 5 into 20 Try to find the higher dollar items, but that takes time. It's not going to happen right away. And sometimes it means saying no to certain things because you don't want to be stuck. Remember, if you only have so much time, do you want to pack 10 items that's only going to net you $200? Or do you want to just pack three or four items that's going to net you $200? Yeah. And so obviously that's the goal. You're looking for that. And then even when it comes to, uh, okay, so you've sourced some items. When you're doing a hobby, I remember when I first started selling I'd, I'd go out on a weekend, I'd, I'd pick up five or six items and it was easy that night. I mean, when I first started selling, like my wife would go to bed and I'd say, all right, I'm gonna go list some stuff. And I didn't have like a backdrop set up yet. I had, I think at one point I was using like a white sheet 
I, I had a, a a black couch at the time, so I put some stuff just on the couch, and I would just take pictures, and list it right there. Um, so it's easy to do different things. And I would, I, I remember I listed that's legit though. That yeah. that's that's like starting from the bottom. That's right. No, no. So um, I did, I did like the most random things together. So the five items I'd list that night, the stuff I picked up that week might be like a turntable, a duck decoy, um, some baseball cards a like i don't know some other random like knickknack and then a shirt right like and those are very different things to like take pictures of and prep whereas once you start moving to part-time chances are you're starting to build up you know some inventory you're starting to build up some uh some piles of stuff and maybe even focus you're saying like okay this week i'm sourcing and of course if i find like a a, a holy grail item i'm gonna pick it up yep. no matter what it is but you might say you know what i want to i want to focus on clothing for the next two weeks and so that's your focus and so you might end up with hundred items of clothing over the week or two of, of sourcing. So now it's important instead of just, I'm going to list two or three shirts and then I'm going to list the VCR and then I'm going to list, uh, you know, whatever other random knickknack that I have, I'm going to spend a day and just do shoes. Right. And to me, when I made that shift to, all right, I'm going to list 10 shoes today. The process of taking pictures of items that are similar, sizing them, doing the descriptions, doing the listings, is much more time efficient than jumping from a shoe to a shirt to a board game, right? So one of the things when it comes to prepping and listing is group things into similar items. So group mm -hmm. stuff together and say like, okay, now I've got 10 shirts. I'm going to do all 10 shirts at one time and just pound them out because you're in one mindset. One, you've got all the, the supplies out. You've got the measuring tape. You've got your setup and do it that way as opposed to um, just having the random things and doing, I mean... I always, if you've got the time, list everything you can list. But if you start to build up inventory reserves or, you know, death piles, whatever you want to call <laughs> them. stacks or whatever yeah. you want to call it. Um, start grouping them and then wait till you have a, a, a good chunk of them that you can use your time wisely. And it starts to pay off dividends. No, I agreed. And the other thing you want to think about along with that, and we've shared this before. I mean, there is... You know, you could get two phone boards, right? And mm -hmm. we all started, you started with your sheet. And then, but I would say to me, if I had the opportunity and if I had the in, in the capital, as soon as I can, I would probably buy a light box. Mm. No, would you disagree with that? No, I, I think, I think light box would be great. Um, that's probably, I mean, you're looking at a hundred dollar investment and 130 ish. Yeah. So it, it's, it's going to pay for itself quickly in, in the time that it takes. Uh, because lighting is always an issue and trying to set things up and make sure it's right. Um, and even setting it up, right? So one nice thing is if you have a time and a place that you're going to do all of your, your, your pictures, setting it up, set up your light box, do all the things that fit inside of it at one time and then close it up, put it away. As opposed to some things fit in the light box. Now I'm going to do clothing. So I've set up my light box, but I only had three things in that. And then I'm going to do this rack over here where I do clothing. Um, and, you know, try and try and focus it. So, you're doing them in chunks. And then, yeah, I'd say a light box is probably a great uh, suggestion right off the bat. Uh, we had white walls. We were lucky enough. So a lot of our pictures that we took of clothing was just hung up on a white wall. Um, I have, I think we did as a TikTok. I need to make a quick YouTube video on it or something. Uh, but I picked up some cheap photo paper off of Amazon and like a rod and I hooked it up to my, my um, shelving units, right? I just drilled in some holes with some hooks and I've got this rod with a, and so it's a pull down white photo paper and it's like perfect seamless white infinite background it looks super professional um, and it takes up very little space but the nice thing is i don't want to roll that thing down and set up a mannequin for three pictures so it's really a good idea to have your system set up 
have the right tools, but then to not be taking tools out and putting them away, mm-hmm. uh, but to keep a clean workspace and use everything you can and then put it away and be done with it for a week. That's That'd be a good idea. No, I agree. And then that's why I brought up the light box because prepping can take a lot of time, right? If you're not careful. And I love the fact that you talk about chunking. Like I wish I had done that from the very beginning because I remember I would pick up shoes. I would pick up a board game. I would pick up a shirt. I would, and then I would just try to list all those things. And man, the time I lost mm-hmm. instead of just waiting. And I know... It's kind of hard because you're like, hey, I want to get these listings up. But yeah, I mean, I would say to me, the limit when I was part time was like if I had five of an item, it was time to list. Right. And then as as my inventory grew or as I had more capital, maybe then it made 10. I remember with shirts, it went from 10 and then it went from like, I'm not going to do anything until I have 30 shirts to list. Right. With shoes it went like, hey, I'm going to start with five and then it went to 10 Then I'm going to wait till 20. Right. And so. That definitely, definitely makes you time efficient. Now, I want to throw another side to this. Part-time, to me, is a time to learn about prepping items. And what I, what I mean by that is, like, you've had a lot of quality time with electronics, mm. right? Learning how to fix up a Nintendo, clean the heads on a VCR, make certain audio components work. Like, if there's ever a time to learn those skills, it's when you're part-time. Yeah, I remember that, like... My wife and I had like kind of a long-term goal before we moved into the fifth will. And it was like six months in advance. It was like, okay, we're thinking we might be doing this where you might be staying home in like the next six months. We planned it out. And in that time, let's buy, let's buy a wholesale box and see how that works. Let's do this. Let's do this. And we were doing all that while she was still working full time because we had this constant refrain. Now's the time to learn. Now's mm-hmm, the time to make mm-hmm. mistakes. And we made plenty, but the the risk to our financial stability wasn't as high, right? It was like, okay, so let's do this. And if it doesn't work, if we make mistakes in shipping, if we make a bad buy, it's not going to crush us. And so part-time is a good opportunity to learn those things, take some risks, knowing that you've got another job or another source of income that is going to cover some of those mistakes and some of those things you're learning. Because yeah, if you if you jump into it not expecting to make those mistakes, um, and you're not planning for that, you're going to be in a world of trouble when those mistakes come. But yeah, you're going to learn during that time. And so I always suggest a slow buildup. And I mean, I know we, we did the 10x rule and and you might have a goal of like, I want to make, if I want to make $500 a month and I should jump it up to 5,000. And that's not a bad idea. If you work as if you're trying to make $5,000 a month and you put in that much time and hustle, you're going to quickly make more than $500 a month. But in that process, I like the idea of having smaller attainable goals of like, okay, if my ultimate goal is to make $500 a month, then this month I want to be able to clear 100. Next month I want to clear 200. The month after that, 300. And so you're slowly building, building your inventory, learning from your mistakes. And then when you, that five months is going to come and you're going to be at that point, but you've given yourself some time to get there. No, I agreed. And I just want to go back to, you know, I, everything you said is right. And we'll talk about, I do believe you need to take greater financial risk when you're part-time, right? And we'll talk about that a little bit, but going back to all the things I do now full-time that I don't spend a lot of time doing is when I learned part-time, mm-hmm. right? Because when you're full-time, you think you have a lot of time, but you don't have a lot of time because you are creating a greater volume of sales, like you need a certain dollar amount, right? Like I just looked at my amount. I have a certain threshold I have to make every day. 
Right. And so you have to do whatever it takes, whether it's 15 listings, 20 listings, 25 listings, whether it's two to three shipments to FBA every week, whether it's sending offers every day. Like I have a set schedule where every morning and I'll talk about this when I go full time, I send the offers every morning. And then after I send offers, I already packed all my stuff the night before, but whatever I is sold overnight, I will pack the next morning. Then after that, I get all my listings done for the day. Then after that, I sort, I mean, you know, there's this whole schedule. I'll talk about that when we talk about being full time, but when you're part time, there isn't that pressure. So you can slow down, right? And it depends how you want to scale, but and I got to tell you right now, like, I don't stress about how am I going to test this video game console? I already know how to test that. So time isn't an issue anymore because I already learned how to do that. Mm. Right. When it comes to uh, testing DVD recorders, those take some time. Right. Because you got to get the disc. Right. Whatever it's negative R or plus R. I forget how it works. And well, I do know how it works. But at the moment, <laughs> you got to test it out. Right. So I got to pull in my regular TV that I hooked that up to. Right. And then I got to. See, does the VHS work with the VCR? Like, I know how to all do that. I'm not trying to learn that from scratch when I'm full time. Like, I can get it done efficiently. Mm. Uh, when it comes to clothing, right? I know how to take out certain stains. I know when it comes to shoes, I know how to clean certain shoes. I know when certain shoes I don't need to clean up, right? And those are all things I learned when I was doing stuff part time. So now that I'm full time, I already know how to do all that. So I'm not wasting that time. So what I'm saying is, yeah, part time. You only have so much time, but you do have the time to learn and educate yourself on things. That's good. Now, listing one more thing I want to add. We shared this on the other one is you want to not only take pictures in batches, but you want to list in batches, right? So then you could do so similar, so similar, so similar, so similar. And if you have no idea what we're talking about, go back to our previous theme episode because it'll explain what that means. But, you know, for instance, with pennants, right? I'll list a pennant. When I'm done, I'll just hit sell similar. I go to the listing, tweak a few words, tweak the measurements, a couple other things, upload the pictures and I'm done. And you can crank out 10 listings really fast. So the part time you're being more efficient about the time that you're spending. That's good. All right. Let's talk about shipping. Okay. So shipping. Shipping is tough when you're part time. Right. Especially, you know, you worked all day. Mm -hmm. You come home, you spend time with the family. And you only have two windows of time, right? You either have that window where you stay up late, but you're already trying to get listings done. You're trying to get pictures done. Or you have the next morning where you're trying to pack things before you go to work. Mm -hmm. Right? So a couple of things. Even though you're not full-time, you have to have your stuff organized. Like You have to. Like your, your shipping supply should be easy. And that's one of the things you guys did really well, right? From the beginning, you had your shipping organized. So yeah, I remember one of your first Instagram stories you already had a table set up, you know, where everything was done. And so, you know, shipping wouldn't take you th that much time, no matter how big that, because you were selling big items right away too, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I recommend that, but um, yeah. And, and I, I was lucky enough that I'm very analytical as far as like trying to figure out ways to cut costs um, in order to obviously maximize profit uh, and to get the right items, make sure we have, you know, what we need. My wife is very organized in the sense of everything needs to be in its place. My, I would have all the tools that we need. I'd find like, okay, like it's really good to have this type of scraper. It's good to have this type of goo removal. It's good to have this type of... I, I knew all the right stuff to have, but if it was up to me, they'd end up all over the place, right? But she's very much like everything is, is in a basket. The baskets are labeled. They go in the right place. When you need scissors, you know exactly where to go. There's never a question of like, where did the scissors go? 
we know where they are. They're they're in specific baskets, and that's I, I attribute that to my wife. And so together we worked well. Is that I knew what the right things we needed were at the right co- cost, and she knew how to make sure that they were always accessible. Because when I was doing it before she started helping as much, I was always looking for stuff, and I was like, "Where did the tape go? Where did the?" And so you you need to have a, a flow, a system. We talk a lot about the that movie Founders and just the the craziness that they went through of like just the efficiency in trying to save every second from like the distance between like the fryer for the fries to like where it gets dumped off. And are you going to be in the way of somebody walking across? And how do we, like they were so exact about precision timing in order to save seconds because saving a 10th of a second on each order of fries over millions of orders of fries is is the difference between making a huge profit and breaking even, right? And so you got to figure out a way to be efficient with, even your workflow, you have a very clear, this is where the prepping stuff is. This is where I pack boxes. This is how I put the labels on. Because if you're kind of figuring it out on the go each time, you're wasting minutes and minutes add up to hours and that adds up to a loss of money. Yeah. And again, the habits that you develop as a part-time seller are going to be the habits that you implement as a full-time seller. I'm not trying to lecture anyone, but I'm telling you. I no, had this a- is a lecture. Listen up. <laughs> I had a rough time when I jumped to full time because my inventory was everywhere. My shipping supplies were everywhere. I was willy nilly about like, hey, when I source something, I'm going to just put in this corner. When it gets listed, I'm going to put it here. And I, you know, I know I'm not the only one that does that. And I don't do that anymore. Okay. I don't do that anymore. Like 90% of the time, there's, there's still stuff if you listen to other podcasts. But when you're part time, you very much have the tendency of doing that right now. We've shared this before. Like, it doesn't mean when you're part-time that you have to have a full shipping station and have everything, but you have to have the essentials. We already talked about you need to have a scale, right? I think that's a non-negotiable. Non-negotiable from the very beginning. You have to have, you know, a tape or a tape dispenser. If you have those two things, you should be good. But in time, as you're part-time, you should start thinking, all right, do I need a Scotty peeler? Do I need a box resizer? Right. What I need to be more efficient. And as you're part time, you can build those shipping supplies. So if you ever want to decide to go to full time, you already have everything you need. Yeah. And and you can do it slowly, too. Um, one of the nice things about being a reseller is you're always outsourcing and you're getting great deals mm-hmm. all the time. You're finding the mannequin that I have. I got on like a super discount. The you know different setups that I have, the scale, I have two scales now. Both of them, I've never bought full price on like Amazon or anything. I've just got them at garage sales. I got a scale at a garage sale before I thought like it was necessary to have a scale. And so as you start to see things you need that aren't necessarily like make or break, I need this tomorrow or I'm not going to make a profit, but like this is a a nice maybe could have in the future. Keep an eye out for it. You might find it on Craigslist. You might find it out while you're out in the wild at a thrift store or garage sale. And then you can slowly start adding to your office Mm -hmm. just things you're sourcing. We wanted to take a quick moment to thank our sponsors for this episode. Because when you're part-time, you have the ability to do that. But when you're full-time, especially when you make that jump, you realize really quick the volume of stuff that you're selling, like you have to have everything. Like anytime you don't have a supply, you waste time that you could be devoted to sourcing or listing or other items. So yeah, part-time is the best time to begin to source those items and to get them on the cheap. 100% agree with you. Like my mannequin, I got way long time ago. Um, my, uh, I would say some like my scale, 
I would say some of the measuring tools. I would say some of my storage tools, all those I got when I was part-time. So when I'm full-time, I didn't even have to look for those items. So that's good. All right. Now let's talk about spending wisely. So we already talked a little bit about sourcing with time in mind, Mm -hmm. right? Again, just because you can, doesn't mean you need to pick up items that you're only going to make a few bucks on. Right. And I know it's really lucrative and I see this, I see it a lot right now on TikTok. I don't see as much on Instagram, but you know, I would say finding cheap items to sell are better if you're full time. And this is, and this is why, because you can sell more volume when you're full time. So it's worth it to you. Like for instance, right now I have an item that I I've have, I've had like 25 in inventory. I'm only making five to seven bucks on, but it's okay because I already have a system in place and it sells really quick and I already know how to pack it and ship it and it's done. I'll go replenish it and I'll go buy some more and I'll buy some more. Not a big deal. But when I'm part time, I only have so much time. So I don't have that time to, I know it sounds weird that when I'm saying this full time, but when we get to the episode, you'll understand it's, it's important. Like it. Okay. The other thing is let's talk about reinvesting what you make. Yeah. And this one's really big because that's why we're devoting all this time to it. <laughs> this one's big. Um, let's go back to the idea of making $500 a month. Okay. One thing that I, I even for me, I had to kind of like, map it out and kind of do all the math. That doesn't mean you have a $500 net profit each month. Because if you have a $500 net profit each month, you are month after month going to lose money if you are taking a $500 paycheck, right? So I did the math and it's like, okay, if my net profit needs to be $500 a month, I want to be making, I set kind of a a much bigger goal, but I I don't know what the exact number is, but probably at least 30 to 40% more than that. I try and double it. So I want to make a thousand dollars net profit a month so that I can take a $500 paycheck and I could take $500 and reinvest it in more inventory, right? Because you want to keep growing and you want to keep scaling because you're going to have some buys that are mistakes. You're going to, it's, it's not going to be clean. Like it's not a perfect linear growth, right? It's not like every time I spend $5, I make X amount more than that. There's going to be times where your your ROI is higher for a month and times where it's lower for a month and some months you're not going to have as much. So if you're taking a $500 paycheck every single month, but you're not replenishing plus, you're actually going to be losing money. So you have to set a goal higher than what you want as your paycheck. And then you need to be reinvesting that. You need to be buying more inventory. You need to be buying more supplies. You need to be buying more things. And so the goal I have is, okay, if I want to make 500 a month, this is just to give a rough estimate, I want to make a thousand a month. And then I want to be able to reinvest maybe 300 of that into or 400 of that back into more inventory. And I want to take another hundred of that. And I want to invest it into another, for me, it's like, okay, stocks or some kind of retirement, because especially if you're going to be moving towards full-time, that's going to be part of it too. Because when you have a job, you've got a lot of like deferred income. You've got stuff that's not necessarily on your check. You've got health insurance, you've got um, 401k, you've got all of these other benefits that are added. That's like m- money that you're getting that you're not actually getting on your paycheck. So as a reseller, you need to start already be getting into the mindset of, I need to be prepping for this, even taxes, right? So if you're taking a $500 paycheck, you got to know you're going to have to pay money on that, but also that net profit that you made. So you need to be investing some of that and saving some of it for taxes. So if I'm going to be putting $500 that I want free and clear, I probably need $800 so I can put a couple hundred away to potentially pay taxes at the end of the year. Now, I will <laughs> throw a wrench a little bit. I 100% believe with everything that you're saying. But I do think when you're part-time, I think you need, 
I, I don't know. I, I feel terrible saying this. You need to reinvest every dime. If you need to eat dirt, eat dirt for as long as you need to. If that's what, you know, but if you're in a place where you have a steady job that's taking care of all the bills and you're not leaving paycheck to paycheck, it's okay, I would say, to spend some of that money on yourself. Yeah. I know it sounds weird, but, you know, we've talked about this, like family vacation or date nights or whatever it is, because it keeps you motivated too, right? That's the other component, because if you're just working part time to just make money, there's no end goal. If you're working part time to pay off debt, then maybe you want to eat dirt. Like that's all you want to do, right? You just keep paying that debt. And every time you go out to eat, you're like, actually, that's about a hundred dollars that I could put towards debt, right? So it changes a little different. But I will say when I was part-time, I was in a place where I was a school administrator. I was I was doing okay. All my bills were more than paid. And it was just nice to every weekend go, you know what? I'm gonna drop two hundred dollars and we're gonna go out as a family. Right. I think that's part of the paycheck, right? So if you're saying, you know, I want to make $500 a month, 300 of that is for a car payment or pay off debt and 200 of it is fun money, right? Like you, you should build that in no matter what you need to build in, whatever your budget looks like. Uh, and obviously that could be something you cut that's fat. You can cut off if you need to, mm -hmm. if you need to tighten your budget. Um, but yeah, so, so make sure you're, you're doing things that you enjoy with the money. Um, cause I think that goes for any job. Like if you're just working for stuff and you're just working to pay bills and you're just, and there's nothing you're getting enjoyment out of it. Even if that's like helping other people or things like that, you, you got to find ways to, to actually be excited about the fact that you have money. Yeah. And you know, that could be very simple as like investing, right? Investing might feel good, right? Knowing that, Hey, I'm working part-time. I may never go full-time reselling, right? You might, that might be your belief. And which is fine. I mean, if I, if, it is very possible that I would never have gone full-time had situations been different where I was at. I would have been there until my dying day. But I said it would walk away. But had I stayed there, I probably would have been part-time for life. And all that money, I probably could have put a few hundred dollars every week towards investing. And by the time I was 50 or 60, I'd be doing pretty good. So yeah, going back to the richest man in Babylon and just like a, a good phrase to have. Um, and we got your hustlers out there, so you're not going to hopefully take offense to this, but the, a oh, great, what are, what are you going a great economic model is poor people buy liabilities, rich people buy assets. And True. the, the concept of that is a liability is something that costs you money. Asset is something that makes you money. So if you're buying, if you buy a new car, that's a liability. If you buy, you know, something fun around the house, you buy a new TV, you buy your Netflix, all those things are liabilities. They cost you money. Whereas the wealthiest people are the people who, instead of buying the Netflix account or the next, you know, subscription, they're putting that money into something that in the long run is going to make them more money, whether that's reselling more inventory you're buying or a stock that you're purchasing or some other way you're investing. Um, so you do need to pay yourself just like anything else. But going back to the rich man in Babylon, I think the number was 10%, 10% you save for yourself, paying yourself as if it's a bill, right? Like if your monthly, if your monthly income is $5,000 a month, then give yourself a $500 bill, right? Like the, the bill to pay Michael every month, I owe Michael $500 and make that happen where that gets saved. You don't spend that. And then when you have a need for the money or some opportunity comes up, you have it to spend. Agreed. Now, this next one's going to be tricky. I 100% believe this. If there's ever a time for you to take risks, it's when you're part-time. 100%. Yeah, we kind of talked about that a little bit already. We, we but, did, yeah. we did. But I'll give you an example. So I took some major risks when I was part-time. So I, my first Harley haul, it was like the very beginning. 
I dropped several hundred dollars. I didn't even have knowledge about which, what items were good. I just knew, and it paid off. I learned. Then I also had other hauls where I dropped several hundred dollars and it was garbage. Right. I mean, I still made my money back, but I had to work to make my money back. Right. But it wasn't that big of a deal. It wasn't like, oh, no, I won't be able to pay the bills or, oh, no, I don't have I've lost all my money for capital because when I'm full time, you know, things change. I'll give you two examples over this Q4. Not okay. I had one in Q3 and one in Q4. In Q3, I had a very bad buy and it was a bad buy, not of my own fault. It was because I had bottles merchandise and then the company was like, nope, we don't want you selling that. Mm. And I automatically lost $4,000, right? Now, my purchase cost was about 2K, but my expected was 4K, right? And I had banked on that 4K to be around when it was time for Q4. Now, I already had capital, so I was okay. But that was a lot of money I lost. Now, if I was part-time, it wouldn't bother me as much because then it's like, okay, well, I'll just take my time selling this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And I'll eventually sell through all of it. But when I'm when I was full time, I was like, that that's a major hit. Like that really bothered me. The other one is I had these um <laughs> that I'm still selling through. Uh, I won't mention what the item is, but I no, I, I talked about it. The Ryan's piggy bank thing, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like that's gonna that I lost uh, about twenty seven hundred dollars, right? That was a big loss, and it was a big loss because I I was hoping that that would turn into five k, right? And again. If I was part-time, it's all right. It might take two years for something to sell, but no big deal, right? I'll make that money back. I only have to sell so many and I'll break even. But when you're full-time, right, when you take those big risks, unless you know for sure you're going to make money, you can't speculate as much. But when you're part-time, you can speculate a lot because ultimately you have your full-time job that's going to take the care of the bills anyways, unless you're picking this up part-time to supplement your income because your full-time job isn't paying the bills. And then you got to be a little bit more careful. But if it's the other way around, I would take the bigger risk when you're part-time. Yeah. And it kind of goes back even with retirement. Um, the the model that's usually given is when, when you're young, you can invest in riskier, mm -hmm. riskier investments. Um, and as you get older and closer to retirement, you shift your risk to stable investments. And usually riskier investments have a higher payout, higher return. And stabler investments have a lower return, but the risk is much lower. So kind of the same idea in some ways is when you're part-time, it's almost like you're the young 20-year-old who's just getting started. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like if something falls through five years into you know building your 401k, it's not going to crush the rest of your life. Whereas if you're 63 years old and you're about ready to retire in a couple of years and you're still investing in some risky stuff and all of your money goes away, there's no more time left. Right. And so I, I can see how that kind of works. Like when you're, when you're part-time, it's when you have less writing on it, you can take a little bit more risks. Again, part of it is the learning curve and you might have huge payouts and you might have a few losses, but it's not going to matter as much when you're full-time. It's going to matter a little bit more because this is it. Like this is all you've got. So, um, and hopefully it's not all you got. Hopefully you have savings and you have capital but do you see okay. the progression though? Like if you yeah. start as a hobbyist making some extra money, Hey, I made enough to like pay for my Disneyland tickets this year. Mm -hmm. Then you move up to part-time. Hey, this thing is covering my car payment and I'm able to invest some money and I'm investing not only into my business, but in stocks and real estate or little mm -hmm. bits here and there, whatever it is, I'm paying off debts and I'm investing. Then when you move to full-time, same thing, maybe you have less that you're investing because more of it's in like your paycheck, 
But then as you get closer and closer, like as you build in this, you've got more sources of of revenue coming in, more more streams of revenue. You've got your dividends paying from your stocks. You've got maybe a rental property that you've been able to purchase after 25 years of reselling and putting in a few hundred dollars every month towards mm-hmm. this thing that you're able to do. So when you get to that place, you've got you've built the safety nets over time. But the nice thing is you can slowly start building it now, taking big risks, thinking, hey, this could pay off big. And if it falls through, it's not the end of the world. Yeah, agreed. And so take those risks. I, I, I learned so much when I took those risks when I was part-time. And, you know, when you're full-time, we'll talk about this, you can still take risks, but you have to build yourself in a way that by the time you go full-time, you can lose some money and still be okay. I And, you know, Mike and I go back and forth uh, about this, not with each other, but I keep saying, I'm not sure I'm an entrepreneur because I'm not like, hey, I, I want to lose everything and start from scratch. I'm willing to put it all in. I'm more of like, kind of like Dave Ramsey-ish in a little bit. Like, I like my emergency fund. I like having everything secure and in place. And in case anything happens, I have a plan B. Where some people are like, no plan B, because if you have a plan B, you're going to always go back to that plan B. Yeah, I think I think maybe there's, you know, when it just comes to the semantics of it, you're kind of looking at, you can be self-employed and not necessarily be a hardcore entrepreneur, right? Mm-hmm. And you can even be a hardcore entrepreneur and not just be self-employed. I think I think those two things aren't mutually exclusive, um, but I do think being an entrepreneur is kind of like, hey, I've got this new idea, this investment, this private label, whatever, and I'm I'm willing to bet it all on the line on this. And maybe this falls through, but then the next thing's gonna, like, and yeah, that's what you're going for. Whereas, yeah, you're a little bit more of a steady, steady Eddie. Like, I'd rather I'd rather be consistent. I'd rather know have money coming in, maybe grow a little bit, but I'm not looking to scale and own the next giant warehouse and be the next empire in reselling. At least not fast. Right. I'm, I'm more of a slow and steady kind of guy. So, That's all good. right. Hey, before we move on, let's talk about some social media and then yeah. we have our next segment. Yeah. And don't forget, if you haven't picked up a shirt yet, supplies are starting to run low. <laughs> yeah. So make sure there's a link below and uh, yeah, appreciate all of you that have purchased a shirt. It's awesome. Looking forward to and. We also have our meetup coming up on March 21st, right? Red Robin in Southern California, Orange County from 4 to 7 p.m. And there's a link below to RSVP. So hope to see you there. Yeah. On the social media side, you can find us, Pure Russell Podcast, on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. We're also Pure Russell Cast on Twitter. And if you're looking to give us a call, you can call us 619-738-1170. That's 619-738-1170. We may be doing a Q&A pretty soon. Yeah, that would be great. We if we're going to do that, like we want to make it like a full episode. And so um, we'd love to have you guys call in, give us a question, maybe a comment, uh, give us your hustle of the week, something where instead of just like maybe a traditional interview where we have like, you know, a reseller or something on and we do a back and forth, we'd love to just have like a compilation of you calling in, giving us questions or comments or um, maybe complaints, whatever it is. And we'd love to play them, talk about them. Um, but we can't do that if you don't call in and let us know what you're thinking. So give us a call. Hey, give us a call. Let us know. We'd love to make that episode happen soon. Yeah. I think it'd be great. All right. And also, hey, if you're listening to some on the podcast, uh, but, you know, you, there's some videos that we drop and, and you kind of missed them. Hey, you can go over to our YouTube, hit that subscribe button, hit Smash the bell the notifications. Like. We got we have some stuff coming down. We're going to be experimenting <laughs> a little bit more and we'll see how it goes. Right. Uh, but, you know, we'd love to see you over on the YouTube side. And there's always a PayPal link to say thank you in a monetary way. If we've been able to help out. Thank you to all of you that have dropped donations. 
And for our reviews, we're always grateful for the reviews on iTunes. They keep building. They keep helping us out, putting us higher in the algorithm. So thank you so much for doing that for us. Yeah. All right. Are we ready for... Come on, hustlers. It's the freaking hustle of the week. Yeah. I always look forward to these. I learned so much from these. Yeah. Hustle right. of the weeks are great. All right. Let's go. All right. So our first one comes from Francisco. Um, that's a fun name to say. It is. Yeah, you know that's from uh, San Francisco. No, um. <laughs> we're trying to find somebody. You're like, it's, no, it, it, it's a, a elf. So like, he walks oh, okay, into okay. the office and is like, "What's your name, Francisco? Francisco." Oh, that's, that's right. Okay, okay, I remember Francisco. that. I remember that. Um, so the IG handle is at California Thriftin. So it was no in, G, no G. Thriftin was that uh, in a line to check out at the store that shall not be named. Dun dun dun. We need like a, a soundboard that plays when we say there we that. Go. And saw a large. Maybe we should. Let's do that. <laughs> saw a large Ziploc bag in a bin. Decided to pick it up, and a bag with sixty plus pencil sharpeners. Hmm. Sold for one hundred and fifty six dollars and seventy eight cents. Minus $30 was the cost of shipping, insurance, and signature confirmation. Holy cow. Yeah, and I, I believe he paid $8 for that bag. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine you'd pay a ton at a thrift store for a bag of pencil sharpeners, but um, $156. Bucks. Well, and here's the thing. Here's the interesting thing about we didn't share. He actually had another uh, hustle of the week, and I just want to share this. So remember when the, the 49ers were doing really well? Do I and, remember? And, like and, yeah, a couple yeah. weeks ago. Yeah, and they were supposed to go to the Super Bowl and so on. They and, did. and that never happened. Well, they okay. Went. Well, they didn't win the Super Bowl. Uh, okay. So they were supposed to go to the Super Bowl. They and did. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. The, the reason I'm doing this, if you listen to the podcast, is I'm on my phone trying to find the exact amount that he paid for, for these pencil sharpeners, and I'm not finding it because it's like eight bucks or something. Yeah, no, but I, you know, I wanted to drop through. It was nine ninety nine. Okay, that's what it was. Okay, sorry. Now I'm focused. All right, they went to Super Bowl and they, and they lost. But you know, I had mentioned on one of our bolos is like to pick up playoff gear. Mm-hmm. So he found this 49ers cheerleader calendar from like the early nineties. Oh, nice. It was like just it was in a garage and he never listed. It. He listed uh-huh. it, sold for one hundred and thirty dollars. Nice, right? So playoff gear, no matter what it is, sells. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Good stuff. Flip, but pencil sharpeners? Hey, you never know, man. Office supplies, man. They go. Yeah, but, you know, I find those like at souvenir shops. You know, like I have a I bunch mean, of Gettysburg. Depends. It depends on what kind of, you know. Anyways, I love this one. I wanted to share this one because you never know, right? And so you had talked about curiosity, right? How it helps. And, mm-hmm. and Francisco was curious and he was in line and he looked it up, researched it and listed and boom. $156 later. Boom. That is a hustle. That week. needs to be a soundboard too. <laughs> like our mic drop moment. Boom. There you go. All right. So California.thrifting, Francisco, thank you for sharing your hustle of the week. All right. We have Kyle, IG handle, OG Carnivore. I hope I said that right. Does that? Yeah. Okay. All right. I like the name. It's sweet. So him and I go back and forth. Every time we go sourcing, he always has great tips or things to share. So this one, I really enjoy this one. And this is why. So this isn't a, hey, I picked up and it sold for this much. This is like, hey, I was able to score a major haul. And this is what happened. So he reached out a couple of weeks ago that there were these Warhammer items, right? And now I've become yeah. the authority on Warhammer. I'm just joking. No, Mike had talked about it and I, I found Enjoy. Warhammer and I've learned, right? But so he reached out. He wanted to get a hold of you, but I thought, you know, I could give him the same info. So we're going back and forth. And he was wondering if it was worth driving an hour and a half to an estate sale. So he sent me the link to the state sale and 
oh my goodness, like Department 56, uh, Warhammer stuff, video game stuff. Like ev- That's interesting to have in one house. Like I, I get video games and Warhammer being in a house, but Department 56, I mean, that's got to be like husband, wife. Like it was like all kinds, like all kinds of stuff. And I told him like, if I could fly out there, I would fly out there to the state. So like, that's how good it is. And he had shared with me he, how he had already kind of a relationship with the real estate people that were running it. And he already had bought stuff. So, you you know, I kind of just said like, you should go like, why would, and he already had planned to go, but I kind of like, go like, you don't want to miss out. So he went. And he went in research. He already had that good connection. He shows up the next day. He spent six hours at the estate sale. Have you ever spent six hours at it? I spent maybe no. I spent maybe two hours, but six hours there must have been a lot of good stuff. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. So he did mention it was like Black Friday when it opened up. Really? Like people just snatch and stuff. And I've been oh, to those estates. Right. So it's crazy. And you walk out of there going, "Yep, everything's gone." But he showed me a video of one room. It was all Department Fifty Six Christmas stuff. There was wow. another room with like Jurassic Park Department 56 stuff. Oh, wow. And then there's another room with Swarovski. So Swar- I always mess up that. Swarovski crystals. Is that how you say it? Yeah, I think so. Or whatever. Oh, those things. Okay. And a bunch. And then there's a Warhammer and there's all this stuff. So he goes, how's house? So he has the first score. Then dry. Then he goes and buys $700 of in- inventory on the last day for 75% off. This is a mega haul. Like this is this can set you up for an entire quarter mm. or maybe the year. I don't know. So you know, he also found some dungeon Dungeons and Dragon figures too. Nice. Like think of all this is all like the bolos we've talked about yep. in one space. So Kyle, when we last, when I last DM'd, he goes, "Oh yeah, I haven't. St- I still have a major pickup tomorrow. So we may have a follow up to this hustle of the week from Kyle, OG Carnivore." on Instagram, but it's a reminder that there's a lot of good stuff out there. Like you just don't know. And again, estate sales, I find that estate sales that are family run are really good estate sales. Mm. Right. And again, if you can find those, because you know, in the beginning I was very scared when I was a part-time seller, mm-hmm. I didn't do a lot of estate sales because I always found that they're very high end expensive stuff. But the part-time seller, I also recognized I didn't know a lot. Mm-hmm. Right. And as you grow in your knowledge, estate sales are definitely worth it. So, Look forward to the update. Kyle, OG Carnivore, drive for an hour and a half, spent hundreds of dollars, definitely hustle of the week. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, the next one comes from Brett, IG handle at Destroyer76. That's the number, seven and six. Um, (laughs) Came across a used but unbelievably complete Dark Tower board game. Are you kidding me? Yeah. For $3 at Savers. Listed and sold on Amazon for $449.99. Speaking of which, I'm going to throw this out there. Not only is that a holy grail for like... Yeah, it's a grail. ...board games, right? Like, I would love to see one. Um, But here's kind of the cool thing about this. And I think the prices on these might actually go up. Really? Soon. Even more. And here's why. The company that puts on the board game makes the board game Pandemic. And then I can't remember the other company. So two different companies together. It's like a big one. Maybe it's Wizards of the Coast. I don't know. It's two big companies are joining forces and they're kickstarting, which is really interesting that they're doing it this way. A lot of companies are doing this. Big companies. Like a lot of times you think of Kickstarter as just like an indie thing. Like mm-hmm. people are, are, you know, they're creating their own music video or they're creating their own new product. And it's like just guys in their backyard doing it. 
a lot of really big companies are kickstarting stuff because it's their way of figuring out, do people really want this? They can sell it before they even make it. It's a great process. Anyways, these two really big companies are making a new version of Dark Tower really? that is going to be coming out. And it's like supposed to be like new and updated, all like digital and it connects to your phone and all kinds of crazy stuff. But I think what that's going to do is two things. One, that might be a bolo, right? Like some people I know they, they get onto Kickstarters, they buy the Kickstarter before it comes out um, and then they sell the Kickstarter, right? Once Once mm -hmm. the hype goes up. But as people start seeing this new version come out, and this may or may not end up in like Barnes and Nobles and maybe Targets and things like that. But there's going to be a lot more people with a version of Dark Tower, a new version. But I've always find that when that happens, the thirst for the original like increases. Hmm. Like people might get the new Dark Tower, but then they'll be like, man, I remember I had the, this is so fun. It's so cool. But they'll be telling their kids, but the real Dark Tower, the original one. Right. And so there's, I think, probably going to be an even bigger demand for Dark Tower as this new one comes out, I could be wrong, but um, not that that's going to help you find one. But, uh, you know, if you do, it might be worthwhile holding on to it to see if prices go up. Once it might the create more demand, yeah. which will create more scarcity, which yep. will bring up the price. Yep. Wow. I, I saw this and I'm just like, this is incredible. Like, this is what we love finding. You imagine if that was you. You know, I, I think I would quit reselling. If I found a dark tower complete in pristine condition, I'd be like, you know, what? I've done it. I've done what I've set out to do. This is it. I'm just kidding. Not not to that level, but it would be cool. Yeah. So, hey, Brett, Destroyer 76, that is a legit fine. I'm proud of you. I'm jealous. You know, I was looking that up, like just the tower. Like, I don't know. I'm totally ignorant about this game. The tower itself is like 40 bucks. Am I right? And it's just a tower, a plastic piece? Yeah, probably. That is crazy. $3. Uh, anyways, all right. I just always love finding these hustles of the week. Yep. So, all right. Now, now it's two hours. $3. Which, which, all right, you, you go first. I want to hear your your uh, hustle of the week. Okay, so mine, um, you remember when I did my road trip and the big item that I talked about picking up was the uh, Montclair jacket. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's not on the shelf anymore. Oh. Yeah, sold it. Sold the Montclair. And here's the crazy thing about the Montclair jacket sale is I think I sold it three times. I know. Okay, so I was looking at your sold and I'm like, wow. Like, okay, tell me the story. What happened? So every time we sold it, whoever bought it different times, they had a reason to not want it after all. It was like, oh, this is, this is an older jacket than I thought it was. Please cancel my order. Or somebody else, oh, this is the wrong size. Or some other random reasons people canceled. And so we're like, oh my goodness, like this thing is never going to sell. So finally, somebody sold, it sold, somebody paid for it, and we shipped it. And so now we're like, all right, like, we're not You're almost there. Yeah. So now we're like, okay, so if uh, if we get like 90 days without like a refund, like request, then we're going to like do a little party dance. But I mean, it sold, I think, for 275, something like that. Um, but we paid 75 for it. And of course, $200 is not like the end of the world, like great sale but yeah. it, it's a good sale you know what i mean like it's nice that that we paid up like it's kind of scary to pay 75 dollars for a piece of clothing at a thrift store yeah i could see that i mean especially on something like that because like harley like guarantee i don't know maybe the montclair yeah market is hot yeah is it hot yeah okay i see for me but i wouldn't have felt comfortable because i don't know that like if it was a harley or if it was a starter jacket, like I would have done it because you know it. Because I know it. But yeah. this one, I would have been like, yeah. But seventy five, still, I mean, 
that's still up. You're paying up mm-hmm. for clothing. Yeah. So I'm glad it's my hustle. That's your hustle. And week. if and if 90 days from now, it might be my hustle again. It was not returned. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember you telling me like it's old, and then you're like, okay, it's back. Yep. And then you're like, it's old. Oh, this person canceled. So that, that was kind of yeah. You know, so I'm excited. I, I, well, here's the thing: how much of a haul did it pay? We already we shared this on Instagram, but there's a lot of people that you know didn't catch that. Post. I don't remember exactly how much because we stopped at several different thrift stores. But um, the nice thing was in each thrift store we spent a few hundred dollars. So to think in that thrift store, it probably paid for the, just a profit off this one jacket. All the rest of the items we bought in that store, nice. you know. So it's one of those like one to pay for them all things. And of course, economically, that that doesn't actually make sense in a business model because you, you need each item to sell and make money. Yeah. But from a psychological perspective, it's always a good feeling when it's like, because I even do that to this day. Like I was at a I was at a swap meet and I bought a bag of stuff and I was negotiating with the guy and I'm looking at one item in here and the price that the guy was giving me, I'm like, okay, if this one item sells, the rest of it's paid for and I could still make money and all. You know what I mean? So sometimes it's psychologically a good way of thinking I don't know if it's it. like a business thing, but I think it's something you should keep in mind that it definitely helps you understand how much profit you're going to make. Right. Right now, if you buy one thing, you're like, hey, at least I'll break even, then that's a terrible business mm-hmm. model. But if you're like, hey, if everything, if everything sells after this one is profit, why not pick it up? Yeah. You know? So, all right. Nice hustle of the week. Yeah. Thank you. What about you? All right. So I'm, I'm looking through here because I have a follow-up to a hustle of the week I had back in the day. I would say a few months ago. So I had mentioned... About the uh, me, I drove over to Carlsbad, which is you know in the San Diego area. But from where we're at, it's about like an hour drive, right? It's not an easy drive. And I remember this morning wasn't like a great garage sale morning. I remember I went to this community garage sale, and literally there was only one house that had profitable items. And then the rest of the day, there really wasn't. I went to a couple other community garage sales, and there there wasn't a lot of stuff. And I remember that day when I did my Instagram story, I'm like, well, you know, at least I picked up a few good things. That wasn't so bad. And I was kind of like making it seem like it wasn't that great of a morning. Right. But that's what I love about recent. Like sometimes you don't know, like even even though you've done your research, even though when you looked at stuff, you sometimes don't know. Right. Because you're quickly moving and you're sourcing stuff and you throw it in your car and you're like, hey, I'll research that later. So this is kind of that scenario. So I went to the community garage sale and I went to this place where they're selling a bunch of van shoes. Do you remember the story? I do. Yep. Okay. So in retrospect, maybe I would have been better off if I just bought all the shoes that were there, but I, I showed up kind of late. I showed up like two hours late. I think it was let's uh, not two hours, like an hour and a half. So it started at seven. I was there. It was like eight 30, but man, people were like, everywhere right and usually that discourages me i don't know if you feel the same way but when i go to a community garage sale and there's all kinds of people at a house i'm like i don't know what's left there anymore but i thought i'd look around so i look around and there are these vans that were just like tossed in the ground right and there's other vans that were like in shoe boxes but like no one's paying attention to these shoes now i did have knowledge and understanding that vans collabs collab is that how you say collabs Right. <laughs> I'm waiting for the English to correct me. That they can on be on your slang. On my slang. So that they could be worth money. So I look at this and one was a Vans NASA 
collaboration was pretty cool. Another one was a Vans with, I don't know, some other brand, but it was like these just black leather van shoes with like a zipper. Mm. I picked up two or three pairs and then I picked up another two pairs of checkered vans. And I know that checkered vans are money, like the vintage ones, but these weren't vintage. These were like from a year ago. So that morning I picked up a few things, but I didn't pick up a lot. Like I picked up those van shoes and then, you know, you have those random, like I pick up a couple of shirts here. I picked up a couple of other items here. So they're not a big deal. Okay, so I dropped on those shoes. The guy wasn't willing to go more than I think I got him down to buying five pairs of shoes. I think it was like a little over a hundred, maybe one hundred twenty-five. I think I paid twenty a pair when it was all said and done, but might have been twenty-five a pair. I think on Instagram I put twenty a pair, so that's probably what it was. So first pair of shoes, right? Were these those Vans collab shoes sold for one hundred eighty dollars? First pair. Now you remember, I'm thinking I drove all the way to Carlsbad. I spent all this gas money. I probably wasted. I thought at that time, 40 to $50 on gas. Okay. So there's that. Then on top of that, then I sell the NASA collab shoes for $212. Right. I'm like, this is crazy. Then I sell another pair of Vans collab checkered shoes for $150. So what do we do the math? Was that 200, 300? So like close to $500, right? I still have three more pairs. So I bought six pairs. <laughs> He's like about six pairs. I still have three more pairs. So I may, from that hundred or so dollar purchase, make a thousand dollars gross, right? Net, I may make seven to eight hundred dollars. Then there's everything else I sourced that morning, right? Which I'm I'm trying to find here on my Instagram feed, and I I can't find it in my archives. But I oh, this is what it was. I found some random cowboy boots that morning that I sold one pair for a hundred, another pair for a hundred, another pair for a hundred. So I only sourced technically that morning maybe 20 items. And that morning I only spent like three hundred dollars. That morning was probably a 2K morning, and I didn't even know it. Mm, that's cool. Right. So this is why I keep saying garage sale ROI cannot be beat. Fire. It is. You, you just don't know. And Sometimes you're moving quick. And I would say not don't grab everything, but if you find one or two things that are like, you're going to make good money on chances are there's other stuff there that people aren't missing. So if you show up late to a garage sale and it's crowded, that doesn't mean it's the end. There's still hope. There's a lot of good stuff that you can find. So anyways, be encouraged. I think once I sell like the last two or three pairs of those shoes, I'm going to make an Instagram post. And talk about it. And I'll probably come back to the hustle week and go, hey, here's the total numbers on that one garage sale hall. So anyways, that was my hustle of the week. It's pretty awesome. All right. So what are you looking forward to here? Looking forward to. We've got another uh, we got another section to do. Oh, we do. Wait, this is an update episode. It's not an oh update episode. Goodness. That's all right. It's getting late in the it studio. Late. We are actually, we are, we are now on the next day. We are past midnight It's already now. midnight. Yeah. <laughs> okay, wow. All right. So yesterday we started recording this podcast <laughs> and uh, we're going to finish it today. So. All right. So awesome. Okay. The next part is, it, this is, this is going to be tough because as a part-time, you don't want to do this, but you got to treat it as a business from the very beginning. Yeah. Even, even hobby level. And here's, here's a, a saying that I got when I was young and I've always stuck to it is, and this is kind of silly and doesn't necessarily apply to this, but it does. And it's dress for the job you want, not the one you have. Right. And the idea was, you know, if you start a job as a cashier and you're like, you know what? I want to eventually be the manager. 
dress and carry yourself like you're more than just a cashier. Because mm-hmm. it says something about yourself. Act as if you have the job that you want and not the job that you you currently have, right? And when you do that, what you're basically saying, and, and you kind of can remember that like when I was at, um, when I was working under you as a teacher, right? Like I, I was always shirt and tie and that was mm-hmm. not like the requirement true, when I got hired there, right? Like my thing was I'm going to, I'm going to go above and beyond. I'm going to be the best teacher I can be. And I'm going to, I'm going to wear myself in a way that says I'm a professional. And part of the reason I did that is I was really young when I first got hired. I mean, I'm in my early twenties as a teacher teaching high school students and I, I could not allow the students to know, hey, here's a young 20-year-old, right? Like they needed to look at me as an adult. I wanted my peers. I wanted my bosses to look at me as an adult. And one of the things that's beneficial about that, and this is where it transfers over, is even if you are part-time, treat your business as if you are going to be full-time or you already are full-time in certain aspects because there's a good chance you'll get there. And if you've already laid the foundation, if you've already laid the groundwork, you're not going back and trying to fix a bunch of mistakes. Agreed. Right. And that comes to um, like simple things like, are you keeping track of, of receipts? Are you keeping track of mileage? Are you keeping track of all of those things? Or are you kind of just like, and eh, this isn't that big of a deal. It's just a little bit of side money because what's going to happen is if you get to a place where you're like, wow, this is, I went from $500 net a month now I'm bringing in $2,000 net a month. Things are starting to change. My taxes are going to look very different this year than I thought they were going to look. Oh no, I haven't been keeping receipts. I don't have the mileage. And you're going to really be kicking yourself because you didn't have that stuff taken care of early. Yep. My first year that I did made a lot of money part-time, I got a bill from the IRS for $1,300 in the middle of the summer. And Part of it was I did something incorrectly on TurboTax. Maybe. I don't know. Whenever the IRS man shows up, I just pay the man and I'm done. Or woman or whoever the person is. But had I kept better records, I'm 100% sure I wouldn't have been that scenario. Because when you're part-time, you you have a lot going for you as far as taxes. You already have your W-2s, which already show that you have money being taken out, right, for federal taxes. You have your social security withholdings. You have all that. When you're full-time, you don't have any of that. So you should play that to your advantage when you're part-time. And so anything you can add on top of that, right? Your deductions, your mileage, your your cost of goods, you need to do that right away. Because I'm telling you as a person, and I say this because I have experienced that organized resellers are a smaller percentage than those that are disorganized. Yeah. But then that kind of goes to say, and I'm not saying that all of our disorganized resellers aren't successful, but I mean, I'm not as organized as I can be or should be, but the reality is, um, I can't remember what the, what the, what the effect is called, but it's like the 10% of any group is going to be received like 90% of like the benefits. Right. And of that 10%, like here's an example that's given. So, um, 10% of musicians or might even be fewer. It's like 1% of musicians have the lion's share of all of the the record deals. And even of that, 10% or 1%, only a small percentage of their songs are actually rise to the top, right? Like when you think of like Beethoven, it's like only a handful of the hundreds and hundreds of songs that he composed are actually like well-known and became famous. So the same thing I think goes for reselling. There might be many people who are successful, but the most successful are probably also the ones that are the 
most organized. And I'm not saying being organized is going to make you successful, but w- to rise to the top, 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 you're going to have to be efficient in, in every area of your business. And so when it comes to organizing your inventory, having the right workspace, like we said, for shipping, keeping the right records. And here's an area I know that we've both talked about, like that we don't do perfectly because we want to be real on the podcast. We're not saying like, hey, we do all these things perfectly. But even when it comes down to figuring out exactly what your profit is, because sometimes it's it's almost like a feel like, you know, like about like how much you made pride item. But when you start really factoring in everything, because one thing is mm-hmm. we take our mileage deduction, right, which is great on your taxes, like you get that mileage deduction, but are you really looking at the cost that it's costing you in your vehicle? Your vehicle is now going to, you're going to have to replace brakes faster. You're going to have to replace oil faster. You're going to have to like all of these things you have to do more than just gas. How much gas did it take to get here to there? The reason you're getting that deduction is because there's a higher cost toll on your vehicle that you're not always including into the cost of an item you're buying. And so the most successful people are the ones who are going to be able to look at and say, Here's the exact percentage I'm making on these items. Here's where I'm I'm leaking some money and I'm losing some money. Here's where I'm really excelling and you're going to be able to focus on those things, fix mistakes. And if you're if you start when you only have 100 items, it's going to be far easier than when you've already got 1000 items in your store and you're like, "Okay, how do I go back and figure out exactly all of this stuff?" Yeah, agreed. Agreed. And you know, one of the things I got slammed hard with right away was not being organized, right? And I want to talk now about inventory, right? Inventory, when you first start, you might put it in a closet or it might be in the corner of a room or it could be, you know, it's not, you're not going to have any kind of inventory system. And then you get a tote, right? Or you get some kind of basket or you get something. And then after that, you get a second tote or then you get a third or you put stuff in a closet. And I'll never forget one of the, one of the worst experiences was, I had I traveled uh, to DC. I went on a on a history trip with students, and I had somebody else doing the packing and shipping for me. I didn't have an inventory system, and at that time, rookie mistake. It was it was bad, but it was part time. I'm like whatever, you know. And I had about six hundred items, and I had some in totes in a, in my backyard. I had some in totes up in like uh, a, a random closet. And things sold and they were going to pack them and ship them. And I remember getting a phone call. I was like, Orlando, I have looked at every toe and I can't find this item. It seriously, Orlando has been about two hours. Mm. And at that time I thought, this is bad. Like I should have from day one had organized this. Right. Because, and this happened and it wasn't just that individual. This ended up happening when I went full time. When I was full time, I'll never forget one day spending three hours to find a pair of shoes. And then a week later, it happened again. And a week later, and then eventually, if you, those of you have been following the podcast, I don't know what episode it was. I eventually got serious and I literally spent, first I spent money. So I dropped off all my shoes to a helper and my helper did all my inventory, like documented where every single shoe was and use a custom SKU label on eBay. And then there's that. And then my clothing, I had to sort out where my clothing, what totes my clothing are in, what closet. So I knew. And then when it went to my hard goods, where are my certain hard goods located? Okay, where are my ties located? Where are da 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 da? But that took hours. And I had, had I done that from the very beginning with just that one toe and expanded, 
I'd be in a far better place once I went to full-time. And even as a part-time seller, I'd be in a far better place. So treat it as a business from the get-go. I like it. All right. And then the other one is, and I don't know, I mean, you might disagree with me, but I'm very much of a believer that you build this with the expectation that one day you can have the option of going full-time. Yeah. And I think that kind of goes with everything we've been saying is, you know, just prepare for it going more because you never know if it will, if things will open up or if that's things maybe go bad in life and and things with your full-time job, you know, don't work out. And it's like, okay, now I have this to fall back on. Or, you know, that's why you, you keep the the inventory records and you keep all your mileages. There's definitely the opportunity that it will go full-time. Now the, the difference I would say, and I, I wouldn't say I disagree with you, but I do think it's important to realize like you might have a goal, like, you you may never want to go full time and you might like be 100% certain like i'm never going to make this my full time job i never wanted to go full time well that's true but at the same time the the reason why i would say like maybe this isn't necessarily the right way to say like you should treat it as if you're going to go full time is in the same way like okay like should you be preparing for having a warehouse and you know what i mean okay like, i get what you're saying what 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 i mean is you should build as if like if you ever needed to go full time you could make it happen yeah Not i think say, that's good make it a safe a good safety net yeah that's that's what it's so for instance and we'll talk about this in our next team episode about you know so you want to go full time is inventory is huge so building that inventory that hey if you have to go full time you're not like oh no i have to source hundreds of items right you've built that up as a part-time reseller that when you go full time you already have that inventory on lockdown mm. You build up that capital. That's why reinvesting when you're part-time is so huge because it's going to be a lot more difficult to reinvest when you're full-time because you're going to have to pay yourself and you're going to have to have money for capital. And there's going to be all these expenses you didn't think about when you're part-time. And even when you jump full-time, hopefully the podcast will help you out, but you may not think about a lot of things when you go full-time, right? Because, you know, you go on social media, everybody's like, break the nine to five, like, fire your boss, like, you know, da, 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 da. but no one talks about like, you got medical insurance, you have dental insurance, you have childcare stuff. You got to There's, there's a lot of stuff that before may have been part of your benefits plan that you're going to have to take care of. And yeah, you may make a certain amount of income when you're part-time, but you're going to have to add a lot more. And we'll talk about that when we go to, so you want to be full-time, but you want to be in a place that if you need to walk away, you could walk away. And luckily for me, when it came time for me to walk away from where I was at, that I dearly loved, but it was time for me to go, that I chose to go on my own and I was good. I had enough inventory. I had enough capital. I had enough of emergency fund and savings that, you know what, even if like I I was terrible at going full time and my business tanked that I still had enough savings for a good long time to make it. So think about all those things that while you're being part time that, hey, you know what? Maybe I want to build this to a place that if I ever need to walk away or maybe, you know, something happens in life that I can't work my normal nine to five that I can make it happen. So I like it. I, you know, I think it's a good thing. It's true. It's good. All right. So, hey, with that being said, it is after midnight. The clock has already struck. And so yeah. we need to call it a night. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. We appreciate all of you. And that Buy your with- shirts. <laughs> yes, please do. And with that being said, make sure to be real. Be relevant. And be reselling. Please. please.